Welcome to this edition of Morgan the Asphalt Podcast. A little bit late this week, Wednesday night, just with our schedules and everything. Uh, this was a night that worked. Recapping Iowa State uh, victories over Ohio and Nevada, respectively. And then, you know, kind of a exciting week in the NFL, comebacks. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo coming in for Trey Lance, who's done for the year. And then, you know, I know uh, Trevor wants to talk a little bit of Brett Favre uh, situation there uh, with him being a big Brett Favre fan. But I think let's start with Iowa State and Iowa. Let's go ahead and start with Iowa State. I was there in, in, in the best way possible. It was a very boring football game. Um, Iowa State went right down the field, scored a touchdown, and just never looked back. You know, 43 to 10, essentially, you know, the same score as the first week against Southeast Missouri, essentially the same score as Penn State beat Ohio. Iowa State's done exactly what they needed to do these first three weeks, two dominating victories. And then at Iowa, you just got to win. It wasn't pretty. It was nothing special, but a win is a win. 3-0, first time in 10 years, looking to go uh, fourteen or 4-0 for the first time since the year 2000. Uh, what did you think of the Iowa State game, Trev? Well, I, we talked before. I was actually at the Boise State game on right. Saturday, so that's really the only game I watched over the weekend. I kind of let you know that yep. I, I, this is going to be more direct to you, but like, yep. just looking at the stats here, we talked about last week for Iowa State, just get the W, don't overlook yep. them. Doesn't look like they did by the stat line. Deckers looked to have good numbers. They took care of business, and now they've, they've got the big game coming up. Yeah, they, they did exactly what they needed to do. It was never in doubt. Um, I would say it was a much better football team. You know, and I, I know this is a little bit skewed on, on their uh, um, opponents and everything, but everybody talks about the Iowa defense, and I completely agree. They're one of the best in the country. Uh, but Iowa State overall defense is ranked seventh in the country right now. Now, they played not two not good teams, and then Iowa offense is, is very bad. So it's a little bit skewed, but so far they've done exactly what they needed to do. Um, the only touchdown, you know, they gave up against Iowa was a short field uh, on a bad offense. And then both in the Southeast Missouri game and Ohio, they gave up one touchdown and one field goal. I don't care who you play, giving up one touchdown, you're going to win 90, 98% of your games. Yeah, it looks like they're giving up nine points a game on average this yep. season. So that's, you know, it, it takes a while for to build up a, a the system there that Campbell wanted, but it looks like potentially he might have it here if you right. get the win over Baylor. And again, Baylor's, you know, that's one of the big-time programs out there yep. in the Big 12. So obviously they're going to probably score some more points. But if Iowa State can get the win – and, you know, maybe hold them to around 20-ish or so or 24, right. get the W, uh, that would be be a hell of a start for Iowa State to get to 4-0. and Yeah, absolutely getting 4-0 for the first time since 2000. And then, you know, looking back when we picked our season predictions, the Kansas game next week looked like you just chalk it up as a win. Well, Kansas is undefeated playing Duke this weekend. First time they've been uh, favored against a Power 5 team in like 10 years. They should beat Duke. They should be undefeated. So if Iowa State can get by Baylor, it's going to probably be two undefeated teams at Lawrence, Kansas. And it's not just a chalk-up win. 
you're going to have to go down there and play a heck of a football game to win, it looks like. You might have to go down to that one. Yeah, we'll see. I doubt it, but yeah. <laughs> but, oh, you're right, though. I mean, before the season, who would have thought that potentially more on the Kansas side, obviously, that right. you know, maybe that both of those teams could be undefeated playing each other. Uh, I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. Iowa State obviously was had, a, as you said, had some good-looking pieces coming in. Really, the main thing was get by Iowa to start. Yep. And then now, obviously, is the, the Baylor test. Yeah, I'd say th this is a big game. Um, a little bit of the luster is, is worn off because Baylor lost to uh, BYU. And then really the one that really takes the luster off that is we kind of maybe all thought BYU was pretty good, but then they go up to Oregon and get smoked, um, you know, because we all didn't think Oregon was that good because they got smoked by Georgia. Well, in real life, Georgia might be really, 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 really good. <laughs> They, they might be better than they were last year, which I, is I tough don't to disagree. I agree. With all the um, people that they lost to the NFL, but that, that just goes to show how well they've done recruiting, developing. Right. And, yeah, they potentially they, – they might have a better team than they did last year, which is uh, pretty tough to imagine. Yeah, that's scary to think of. Uh, but, yeah, when Georgia beats uh, Oregon like that and then uh, BYU goes up there and just gets, gets spanked, uh, that was surprising. I'm not surprised that Oregon won that football game at all in Eugene um, on the road, but just, you know, I was surprised at the score. Yeah. Tough place to play. And, you know, maybe Oregon's a little better than we thought. Yep. Who knows if BYU just yet, but I feel like this season, I feel like we might see a lot more of those type of upsets as the year goes on. I think Georgia's in a class of their own. Then I think it's Alabama. And then, you know, it's the other, it's Ohio state, Michigan, Right. Oklahoma, Clemson, you know, three of those teams are going to be there at the end. And then that's, probably three, you know, three that's, of those probably team. won't by elimination. Right. And and I'm a big 12 guy, and you know that. But Oklahoma so far has looked better than I thought they would. Um, what they did – now, Nebraska is not good, and that's been proven. But they demoralized Nebraska, and they, they did uh, what they should do if they're a top-10 team to a team like Nebraska. Left no doubt, beat them really bad. Um, I was actually very impressed by Oklahoma over Nebraska. A lot of people have said uh, their defense looks better under Venables, yeah. which is not surprising no, because he's not a defense coach. So you would expect that. And then uh, I have yet to really watch him. But, yeah, going into Nebraska, obviously we know Nebraska is at the lowest point that they've been in our lifetimes. But it's still a tough place to play. I think Nebraska may got a first score, and then Oklahoma just yep. took over the rest of the game. Yeah, they went. I think, yeah, Nebraska took the lead, and then I think Oklahoma scored like 48 in a row. Yeah, and that's what really good teams do. I mean, they score once, big deal. You're not going to get alarmed or press the panic button. Keep to your game plan, and Oklahoma blew them out. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a couple other uh, NCAA football storylines. Arizona State gets beat by Eastern Michigan at home, and Herm Edwards is fired, so the second coach has been fired on the year. The interesting part about that was it's not that he got fired. Uh, he was one of the rumored ones to get fired. One, he hasn't won enough, and then two, he does have some potential NCAA violations uh, coming. But there, there's video out there where as soon as he's walking off the field, the AD and president meet him, and you almost wonder if he got fired right there on the spot before even leaving the field. Um, so that was just kind of an interesting 
um, moment um, and a tough spot for Arizona State. I think that job should be better than it is. It's in Phoenix, um, suburb of Phoenix, so it's a big city. Um, it's one of the best party schools in the country. Um, great weather. You know, I that should be a good program, but they just can't seem to figure it out. Yeah, it seems like they're switching coaches quite often. And, and yeah, I, I've heard there's some violations that might be coming up, uh, some things going on there within the program. So I'm sure more of that will leak out here in the coming weeks as time moves on, like most of those stories do. Right. Now, did you get a chance to uh, really see any of the Iowa game? I know there was a long delay. Like I said, I was at Boise State, and by the time we got out of the stadium, got back to where we were going, the game was as delayed. But uh, Iowa wins 27 nothing. You know, Peter's stats yep. were a little little better than normal. Um, you know, Johnson did a pretty good job. He had a long run of 55 yards. So they they took care of business. The, I, just looking at the stats, like I said, I didn't watch the game, but looks like the offense was a touch better, which yep. isn't saying much, but hey, <laughs> we'll take it. And, you know, the defense forced a, you know, an interception, some sacks, pushed a, or uh, set a shutout there on defense. And, I was allowed 13 points in three games. So, again, another one of those top defenses out there. They've got Rutgers coming up at Rutgers. Um, got to get that win. That's a must win for Iowa because you got Michigan the following week, which is going to be a very damn tough game. But you got to go win at Rutgers. Absolutely. Um, I watched some of it. Um, I can't remember for sure. You know, we got home that night. Um, been a long day. And everything, obviously, at Iowa State, um, it was storming. It was raining. We were putting everything away here. Um, you know, took a shower and everything. So I probably turned it on at, I think it was after the first delay. Like, probably by the time I really turned it, I probably turned it on right really when I got home. But started really sitting down and watching it, probably about 1030. So I think that was after the first delay. Um, or maybe it was even before it was delayed at all. And... You know, once it went into delay, it was already 17-0. Um, I went to bed. Um, I'll be honest. It had been a long day. Um, had some drinks. And then just by the time, even hadn't had a drink in a long time. But even, you know, you're, you're just tired after, you know, we went up with the camper and everything. Uh, just makes for a long day. Um, so I did not stay up and watch it. Um, but I agree. I mean, the opponent has something to do with it. But Iva, in my opinion, did open up the playbook more. It definitely was very obvious that having Nico Regani and then Keegan Johnson, who appeared to leave with another injury or re-aggravating the same injury, having those two guys on the field, Spencer Petras looked more comfortable, you know, with the opponent and then just having those two on the field. Um, so they did throw it a little bit more. Um, Arlen Bruce made a heck of a catch on a touchdown pass. Um you know, nothing was perfect, but I, I really do think you have to look at it as better. You know, um, just looking forward, Rutgers is much like Iowa. They're not very good on offense. They're really good on defense. They won a football game without scoring an offensive touchdown. Um, they got a great punter, and, you know, they're really a lot like Iowa. Greg Schiano is a very good coach. Um, left Rutgers, I don't know, probably about 10 years ago now, went to be the head coach at Tampa Bay. That didn't work out, bounced around a little bit, and now he's back at Rutgers. Um, so it's a night game on the road in the Big Ten. 
So it's I'm not it's never easy. Uh, but like you said, it's a must win. And it's just over the course of especially the last few years, these are the games that Iowa comes out and wins. You know, they have I think like a top ten number of victories in the last five years in all of college football. This is one of those games they win. We'll see if this year's team is is that uh is that same type of team. Yes, see if the defense can get a bunch of sacks, force some turnovers. Just looking real quick, the over-under is 34, and Iowa's favored by seven and a half or eight, depending on where you're looking. So yeah. that's showing, like you said, not expecting a lot of points in this one. We'll see maybe if Iowa's defense can can force a bunch of turnovers and maybe Iowa can get uh, can get some momentum going on offense that way. Yeah, you, you know, you think about 34 and a half, that's like super low number, and it really is. But then you look at like what the scores can be to still get under that. Could you see this game being 17 to 10? Absolutely. Could you could you see it, you know, 24, um, 24, 10? Absolutely. Could it be, you know, 21, 14? That's right at the number? Absolutely. So um, do you see this game being, you know, 35 to 28? I don't at all. You know, do I see it being you know, 35 to nothing. I don't, you know, um, so you just look at the scores that it could be. And, you know, I just think you have to go at the under if you're making that bet, but um, it's just, it's really low, but I just think you go with the under until they beat you. I think you just ride that horse. Yeah. Under is probably the bet. I, I hate betting unders though. Just oh, I do too. you're rooting, you're rooting for no scores, but yeah, when, when you hit you, you're excited. So no, I mean, Iowa State's got the big test, still a big test, in my opinion, versus Baylor. Oh, Iowa, absolutely. Iowa's must, must win at Rutgers because you got Michigan the following week. If they lose to Rutgers, you lose to Michigan, it, it could turn out being one of those really ugly seasons that Iowa has every now and then. So, fingers crossed it doesn't turn into that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's – if you want to get, you know – if you want that eight, nine, 10 win season, which losing to Iowa State does not help that. I mean, if you look at both teams, whoever wins the Iowa, Iowa State game has the head up on number of wins. You know, um, I bet the over on both. I think Iowa State and Iowa are both seven and a half wins. I bet the over on both. Um, you know, very, you know, pretty confident on Iowa State right now. They look good, you know, but they still got a bunch of teams to play. Iowa doesn't look as confident, but I think, you know, this. if you're going to hit the over, you have to win this game, you know, because you still got to play Michigan. You still got to play Ohio State. Um, and I'll be honest, you still got to play Purdue. That, But I'll be honest, the Big Ten West is bad. There are no questions about that. Minnesota looks pretty good, but Nebraska is bad. Northwestern is bad. Northwestern beat um, Nebraska, but then they lost to Southern Illinois this week. Um, and – Purdue lost to Syracuse on a game they shouldn't have lost. Wisconsin, uh, I don't know about just yet. They they played good this last weekend, but right. Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa, but, you know, are really any of those, you know, true Big Ten contenders? I would say probably not at this point, right. unless something changes. Yeah, I mean, one of those teams has to win the Big Ten West. Yeah, one of them has to win the Big Ten West. But, but are they going to really – it's going to be like last year. Are they going to be able to compete in the title game? I don't think so. Yeah, to this point, at least not Iowa. Uh, the other two teams, I don't know. that You know, we'll know more here in about three, four, five weeks. 
if some of these teams can really start to to put the hammer down, can Iowa figure out the offense? If they can, then you've got something. But until right. then, you've got a flawed, really good flawed team. Right. You know, Purdue has two losses. Um, but if, if I had to make a guess right now, I would say Purdue wins the West. I just – and we've had this conversation. Minnesota probably looks the best on paper. They're undefeated. Mm-hmm. But I just cannot – I hope P.J. Fleck loses every freaking game. I just cannot stand that guy. So I, I just will never pick him. Um, he might very well win it, but I can't. And then I, I just – I don't think Wisconsin's very good. Purdue has the highest upside, but they have two losses already. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of the West. Hopefully it looks better by the end. But, yeah, that's that's why we need to get Notre Dame out of the Big Ten. I know if they did that, they'd get rid of divisions, but – if right. Notre Dame they're they're going to get division. rid of divisions no matter what. Yeah, but if if Notre Dame was in the West Division, not this year, of course, but in years past, right. that would that would make that West a lot more, right. a lot more viable. But anyway, that that's a totally different different subject. Yeah. So any other, um, you know, being out west, and you said you were at Boise State uh, this last. week, Is there any talk of like Brian Harzen and how he's doing at Auburn and? He's going to get fired. I, I have no doubt in my mind he's going to get fired this year. I think, honestly, he could almost win the national title and they still fire him. Uh, I just think they hate him there. And um, the AD that hired him has resigned. Um, I think the president has gone from there. I just don't think he has anybody there anymore to support him. He's not from the South. Um, I just didn't know if there was any talk at, up there at Boise about him. There really wasn't actually. I mean, most of the buzz out west is about USC, Oregon State. Uh, looks like maybe uh, maybe a really good team this year. Not right. a playoff team, but by any means, but right. a real big improvement over the Oregon State years. Washington looks to have a coach, and Oregon bounced back. So the real buzz is around USC, though, right. out here for most. Because I mean, Colorado doesn't really care. Boise State just cares about Boise State. I told you before we got on here. I've been to a lot of stadiums: Penn State, Tennessee, Notre Dame. Missouri, Wisconsin, Iowa, Iowa State, Colorado. There's some others, but the Boise State Stadium was just uh, – it was overwhelmed on Saturday. It took 53 minutes in line to get a beer. Uh, their audio system, sound system in the stadium was only at one end of the end zone, and it looked like that stadium was about 20 years behind, which makes a little bit of sense because they don't have a lot of the big backers and donors that some other the big Midwest or Southeast programs do, but – I was expecting a little bit more out of that, but, you know, that's just a general thought of, of going there to the Boise State Stadium. And I made the comment that probably hasn't changed since I was there in 2002 uh, for the Humanitarian Bowl uh, when Iowa State lost to Boise State with Seneca Wallace. And then he made the joke, probably not. And and I, But in 20 years ago, that stuff was all fine. In 2022, it is not okay. You got, you got to be better. Yeah, I heard they just brought beer back for the first time last year to the stadium. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, it took 53 minutes in line. I mean, people were people were just losing their minds. So I was a little disappointed. Uh, I love Boise. I love everything about Idaho, but their uh, their football stadium. If if you're an Iowa Iowa State fan, and you were to go there today, you would uh, you'd be massively frustrated or disappointed because it's it's nowhere close to Kinnick or Jack Trice. That's for sure. Right. And then you know, obviously where you live, Colorado is one of the worst teams in in college football right now. They are bad. Um, the only one might be Colorado State, <laughs> and 
well, yeah, and that's no joke either. Um, And then Air Force didn't play well and lost to Wyoming. So it was not a good week for uh, Colorado schools. Um, But just, you know, Colorado, not that many years ago with Mike McIntyre, he was coach of the year, won the Pac-12 South. Um, You know, things were looking ahead. And then you look about when we were younger, Trevor, Colorado was really, really good. Uh, you know, this was kind of, this, let's just get back kind of the big picture of college football and everybody's making these things, but look at the teams that have left the big 12 in the last 10 years, Nebraska awful in the big 10, Colorado awful in the big Pac 12 overall, they've had some success, but overall on the field, it has not been as good. Um, Texas A&M. Now you could say that's the one school where, you know, they've had just the same amount of success. They never won a Big 12 title. Um, they never, you know, they always seem to get beat or upset or whatever. So that's the one school they've probably done just same in the SEC. You know, and then Missouri, you know, they went right when they went to the SEC. They won two East Division titles when Florida and Georgia were kind of in turmoil there. But since those first few years and since Gary Pinkle retired, um, it's kind of been a, a really bad. They're really bad at football um, as well. And those teams, and again, Missouri wasn't uh, in the, you know, in the Big 12 title game every year. But we talked about this two weeks ago, but wasn't that many years ago that Kansas was number two and Missouri was number one in the country um, playing, you know, at Arrowhead for a chance to who wins the North and then go went and played Oklahoma. And, you know, Missouri did that and lost, but, you know, you think about Missouri being number one in the country right now, it's, it's a far cry. Yeah, lots, a lot has changed in sort of a short period of time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been a while, but, yeah, I mean, if you look at Nebraska, when they had Bo Pelini, they were winning nine games a year minimum. And you yeah. look at Missouri when they first went to the SEC, like you said, a couple East titles there, why Florida and Georgia weren't quite ready yet. Uh, Colorado, who knows if they're going to ever be good again. <laughs> I don't know. Right. And then, like you said, Texas A&M, one of the more overrated programs right. really throughout, throughout history, and, is, and especially now with as much money as they, they've put in the past few years. Uh, yeah, I actually saw Doug DeCock uh, this, this afternoon, and he was down there for the Miami-Texas A&M game. And, yeah, he goes, the amount of money down there is just unbelievable. Um, and, you know, they didn't win a bunch of Big 12 titles. They're not winning SEC titles. They're paying Jimbo Fisher $95 million guaranteed. And it's just not where it needs to be, in their opinion. Uh, well, I think in everybody, I mean, I definitely right. think in their opinion. But when you get all those recruits, all that money, and you just, like I said, I don't think Jimbo's won nine games there yet. I remember we talked maybe last week about it. Maybe nine is his max, but I know he's never he won. He might have won nine last year. No, because he went eight and four, didn't he? Maybe he won the bowl game, so he might have got to nine. But yeah, like last year he beat Alabama, but went eight and four in the regular season. I do know that. I remember that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not good enough for the amount of money they're paying him and the amount of money that they're putting in NIL, you know, recently. And then, yeah, Texas A&M is definitely an underachiever <laughs> by no stretch of the imagination. That's, that's right. one of those programs that should be a lot better, but they are not, not yet anyway. Right. That's, that's exactly right. I just, 
you know, you think about just the big scheme of things, A&M should be right there, but they don't have the history that other schools do. No, I mean, maybe this would be the year that where they can get to 10 plus wins and get that momentum going. But they got, I think they have Arkansas coming to town this week, I think. So, I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> that's a must win for Texas A&M. That's why Jimbo Fisher's getting paid that money. Right. Arkansas might be a good team this year, but you, you've got to win that game at home. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're in a place where they're paying the amount they're paying. You need to win almost every game. And then you, you hope you can beat LSU or Alabama, split with those two every year. And then, you know, once every five years, you're winning the, the West and going and playing for the SEC title game. That's all you can hope for right now because Alabama is Alabama. And then LSU, I don't care. They're going to be there every so often. They're not going to be there every year, but they're going to be, be there every so often. I think Kelly will, will do fine there as long as they, right. they give him a few years. Uh, they need to calm down on this first-year stuff. Look at what's right. happening in yeah. Notre Dame. Um, and, you know, maybe Notre Dame won't be that. You know, it's all overreaction stuff lately. Yep. But I, I think LSU, every, like, four to five Ke years. Kelly like has won team. everywhere he's been, everywhere. Yeah. D2, you know, Cincinnati, Central Michigan, Notre Dame. He has won everywhere. He, he knows how to coach football. Yeah, as long as they give him two full years and don't get don't go crazy and have all the fans doing stupid stuff and talk radio, which they do, but don't give into that. Give the guy three full years. I mean, they obviously are going to with the contract, but you know, the first year you got to have some understanding. Florida State, it was a tough way to lose, but give him some time. I'm sure he'll have LSU in an SEC title game within four years. Yeah, I would assume so. They're, that's just too good of a program. They get too many good recruits. Look at what he was doing at Notre Dame. I mean, he should be able to get better recruits at LSU, given the fact that he's a good recruiter and you don't have the academic challenges to get into LSU. Well, you don't leave Notre Dame just for any job. That's one of the jobs that you leave for. And there's a reason he left Notre Dame for LSU. Yeah, I, I think he, he maxed out there, so – why not go to LSU where you have some more freedom? You're recruiting in the South. And yeah, I, I think he's gonna do okay. Notre, I think I actually think Freeman, Freeman at Notre Dame's get a little too much heat too. Quarterback goes down and people right. are talking about firing him after the season, but I don't know. You start firing coaches after one season, unless there's really a scandal or some drama, right. then then you start becoming you don't want that much turnover. Right. You you got yeah. I mean, you hired Freeman for a reason. If you didn't think he was a guy, you shouldn't have hired him. That's my opinion. Um, he'd never been a head coach, um, so you knew you were going to get some stuff where it may not go smoothly. Um, you know, obviously there were some rumblings. And just with the transfer portal and everything where Coach Kelly left, people are leaving. You know, people come and go, and, you know, you just never quite know what you're going to get. And it almost looks to me like they hired Freeman because that's what the players wanted and they were trying to keep the players there. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe he wasn't the guy that they really, really wanted. No, it seemed like the players bought into him. And you're right. Maybe, maybe he's not the guy. That's a big, that's a big first coaching job to get into. Oh. So um, I, you know, we got at least got to give him the full year, no matter what. And oh, yeah. Like I said, he seems like a good guy. 
I don't think there's any any bad stuff going on. So Notre Dame fans, calm down. Um, you made fun of Brian Kelly for leaving, and look what you got. I mean, it, you might want Brian Kelly back. He's not coming back, but Brian Kelly, I think, maxed out Notre Dame with a about what they could have been. I think only about a, a guy like Urban Meyer could could do better at Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, let, let's talk about Urban Meyer and just coming back into college football. Um, obviously, with Arizona State being open in Nebraska, a um, little bit interesting there. I was watching uh, before going into the Iowa State game, uh, Fox Noon, Fox Big Game, whatever they call it, uh, was in Lincoln. Um, you know, they were chanting, we want Urban. There were shirts to hire Urban. Um, the reports are out that he's not going to Nebraska, and I really, truly don't think he will. But if there was somebody to turn Nebraska around in a hurry, you know, like, let I'm not saying he will, but if Matt Campbell goes to Nebraska, I'm not saying he's gonna, not going to win, but it's going to take a little bit of time. He's going to build a culture. He's going to do it over the course of three or four or five years. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if he would get them to national championship contenders overall. If Urban Meyer goes to Nebraska this year, at the end of the year, he has everything Nebraska would play for a national title in his tenure, I believe. That's how good he is in college football. I, I think it'd be close. The good thing for yeah. Urban is he'd be playing – He'd be coaching in, you know, the Big Ten West. So right. he'd have to get over Wisconsin, Iowa, and, you know, Minnesota or whoever. He, he would out-recruit those guys so badly he would run circles around them. You you give him, two, you give him a couple years to get recruits right. in there, and he'd be playing Ohio State or Michigan or Penn yep. State most years. So he, he would – he'd be basically fighting for a playoff almost every year besides his first year, maybe yep. two. But he does stuff within about a year, though, in college. Right. So I think it'd be quick. They've got all the money that they need. Yep. He has every resource he needs. Stadium is one of the best there is in college football. So it, it is set up for a guy like him to go in, but I, I don't know if he wants to do that or not. You know, no well, idea. And I don't know if Trev Albert, who's the AD there, wants that. Because you would have to be able to look the other way. Now, a bunch of rules that used to be in, in college football are not there anymore. The paying players, the stuff like that. Those rules have changed. But you have to be – and then you look at Nebraska's history with Lawrence Phillips and certain other players that weren't always the best people and people look the other way. And that's the thing. As long as you are winning, nobody cares. And that's the thing with Scott Frost. You know, there's things that he was doing, and it's coming out every day, the always late to meetings, doing things he shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. If he was winning, no one would care. But he wasn't winning, so now it's all coming out. No, that's right. Winning, like we've talked about in here many times, winning cures everything. So I'll be interested who they hire. Right. I, 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 don't, I don't see Campbell going over there. I, Urban, I don't, Urban's, but I mean. Urban's fun. It's interesting, but I, I don't know if he does either. Right. And I don't know. I could see him after what happened in Jacksonville taking a step back saying, hey, I need, I, I can't do it. I don't know. But he's an arrogant son of a bitch. And that's the way it goes. But but you have to be to do that. I mean, all those guys are that way. They're all type A personalities. And, you know, I can do anything and I can do whatever I want. And so, you know, 
you offer people a certain amount of money or certain power. Some people like Urban Meyer just cannot say no. Yeah, and you almost wonder if, if he has such an ego that he doesn't want his lasting image to be the Jacksonville stuff. Mm-hmm. If he wants one more stint at college, and this is right. a big time, you know, historic program anyway. Right. Yeah. Most of the other jobs out there that I can think of right now are pretty safe, pretty taken care of. Yep. I know I mentioned if he went to Notre Dame, I don't know if Notre Dame would hire him given his right. past, but I, I I just met that as a guy that could turn them around in a hurry. Yep. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know who they're going to get. I almost wouldn't be surprised if it's a lower name guy that really not a lot of people know of that. I think everyone's looking for a big time name and it wouldn't right. shock me if they go, if they go low key type of guy. Yep. You, you think about like Kirk Ferentz, you know, the, the name was Bob Stoops, but we could all argue Bob Stoops probably wouldn't have done any better than Kirk Ferentz. I don't think. I mean, Kirk Ferentz has done everything in Iowa you can almost ask for except win a national title. Yeah, that's just about it. I mean, you look at all the players they put in the NFL, what they do with zero, one, two star recruits, how they develop them. Uh, Stoops might have a better offense, you know, would he have as good as offensive linemen, tight ends with the def- you know, there's a lot of combination there. But Iowa is one of those programs, you know, they right now they do have a lot of stuff set up. They just have a bad reputation on offense. So right. that's not helping them. But yeah, I mean, well, maybe Bob Stoops wants to go to Nebraska. No, yeah. I don't think he would. <laughs> no, that would be sacrilegious. That'd be like going yeah. from Iowa to Iowa State or vice versa or whatever. You know, it's just it, one of those. It creates some good drama, though. Oh, absolutely, it would. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a break here real quick, and we'll come back and, and talk NFL. Okay. All right, now transitioning to the NFL after our quick break here. Um, you know, kind of a couple big storylines from the NFL um, really was Trey Lance's injury and then all the comebacks, you know. Uh, Arizona came back, um, Miami came back, there's several comebacks and, and young quarterbacks making plays Tua with six touchdown passes, Kyler Murray, Murray making plays. And then obviously Jimmy G coming back, uh, after the injury and, and winning for the 49ers. Uh, what are your takeaways from this last week in the NFL? Well, the first thing I want to start with real quick before we get into all that was just the Brett Favre scandal. Yep. Everyone that knows me knows I'm a big Brett Favre fan. Uh, seeing what happened there after reading the articles, watching the videos Wednesday night, I was in a hotel at Wyoming. And after I got done reading and watching everything, people that knew me when I'm younger would probably be surprised. But my initial thought is good riddance. Uh, I really looked up to the guy when I was younger growing up. Uh, my favorite football player of all time got me into football, which, you know, I'm thankful for. Met a lot of great people, friends throughout the game but what he did there is just I don't even know what the right word is for it low disgusting whatever I don't know what your thoughts were but pretty disappointing to say the least for someone that's made that much money to do something like that yeah essentially for those of you that don't know or didn't hear he took money from like the welfare system in Mississippi for payments to speaking engagements and was trying to redirect him to having a volleyball center built on Southern Miss because his daughter was playing there. 
And he knew it was shady because he didn't actually do the speaking engagements. Um, he texts the governor or messaged the governor somehow, email. Assistant. Uh, yeah. And like, hey, make sure no one knows about this. Um, so he knew it was wrong um, all, all along. And, and that just makes it really sad. Like you said, the biggest thing is he doesn't need that money. You know, he, you know, and, and th these guys get paid a lot of money from a lot of different places to come do speaking engagements and stuff. That's not new. And if he actually did those services, you could almost make a. Now, it shouldn't be coming from that money, but you could make an argument that, yes, they spent, spent $200,000, but if they raised a million dollars, well, it was worth the $200,000, but that's not what happened. Yeah, he basically said, is there any way people could find out about this? Right. I read it was somewhere near $5 million that, yep. that they were trying to, to, to take from the state. You know, Mississippi is one of the poorest states, I think the poorest state in the U.S. Right. And for him to do that, I think he made, someone said, I, I, I think he made close to $150 million in his playing career, which, you know, back in the 90s or 2000s, people weren't getting paid as much. It's still a shit ton of money. And then all the money that he's made in endorsements, he's still doing uh, that copper fit stuff or whatever. Right. He did all sorts of commercials in the 90s, early 2000s. So just pretty disappointing to see everything that I read. It looks pretty black and white unless somebody faked his phone number, which I don't think they would if they're going to go this public with it. Uh, it, it. It looks pretty bad. And so I don't know. My initial thought, unless something really crazy comes out, he was fun to watch. But, uh, you know, like I said, good riddance kind of. Yeah. I agreed. And and he's, you know, obviously being a Bears fan, you know, he wasn't my favorite, but he was one of the best competitors. And when he was on, you wanted to watch him. Yeah, he played the game the right way. Unfortunately, off the field, there's just too many incidents now. You know, some of it, people brought up the drinking and the, the pill addiction. Yep. You know, that, that doesn't bother me. I mean, people struggle with stuff. That's long as you're not harming someone else then right. that's you know that that's just a personal struggle but something like this uh is a different story and a different level of uh just shadiness that isn't good to say the least absolutely but just wanted to hit on that real quick because it, it didn't it got some media national media attention some but i don't feel like it got as much as it probably should have and that's coming from probably the biggest brett Favre fan of all time so um he's probably gonna have to just disappear and go away and you know what deservedly so yeah and say what it looks like it doesn't look good no i just wanted to hit on that because i figured since i'm a brett Favre fan uh we just should touch on that real quick at least so pretty disappointing um but anyway yeah moving into week three i think you said you know probably the biggest storyline really is trey lance injury out for the year jimmy g comes back he's obviously you know today and, you know, at least probably this season, he's their best option. Yep. But it would have been nice to see what Trey Lance potentially could have developed into as the season grows on. So it's just – it's another kind of wasted year for Trey Lance in a way. He didn't get to play much in college. Didn't play a lot last year. Obviously, he's going to sit out most of the – well, the remainder of this year. So who, who knows what he's going to develop into, but a uh, tough start for a young quarterback that's got a lot of talent, but – it might not ever uh, might not ever show on the field, and and you made a great point there. And that that was going to be one of my questions: is 
do we really know how good Trey Lance is? The little bit, you know, he really hasn't played in the NFL. He really didn't play that much in college because of COVID and just the situation playing at North Dakota State. They didn't play that fall year. They played one game for him. And then obviously they played in the spring and he didn't play. He just went to the draft, which you can't blame him. But mm-hmm. yeah, since high school football, he's played like one full year of football. Yeah, it hasn't been much. And a lot of people are saying, well, now you got to keep Jimmy G and maybe next season you'll look to move Trey Lance. Well, here's the thing. They don't have to move Trey Lance. He's on a rookie contract and he's proven right. nothing. Right. You know, guys like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, Lamar, those guys have proven a lot. So they're going to get deals. Right. Trey Lance has proven nothing. They they can uh, go to his fifth year option. So they they're still going to have him on the team for a while. So that it's not people are trying to make it seem like the end of the world, like they lost the trade, like it was a dumb move. It's still too early for that. He's still on the rookie contract. You're going to go with Jimmy G this year, and you know, hey, Brock Purdy is going to be the backup. I think moving yeah, forward, say say just. You know, it wouldn't shock me if they come sign a veteran, you know, because realistically, um, Jimmy G is probably going to get hurt and miss a game or two. That's just life in the NFL. Um, But Shanahan likes Purdy. Um, I, you know, and, and, you know, Matt Campbell talks about this. You have to take advantage of the opportunities that were given. You know, if for some reason, you know, this coming week, Jimmy G gets hurt. Brock Purdy, even if they go sign a veteran, Brock Purdy's probably going to be the number two guy this weekend. You know, and if he goes in and plays well, well, that just might set him up for being a backup quarterback for the next 10 or 15 years. Just, yeah, you're right. You got to take advantage of the opportunities. If, if somebody gets hurt, then that sucks, but – that's that's how, you know, like we talked about Brett Favre. I mean, that's how he got his chance. Mikowski got hurt, and he went in. And that, that's happened a lot throughout. Drew Bledsoe takes that big hit. Tom Brady comes in. I'm not saying that, that Brock Purdy is going to be that, but if but if he can if he can establish himself as a one of the better backups in the league, like you said, he could have a 10-plus-year career just being a backup, part-time starter, whatever, make $10, 20000000 million-plus and have a really nice career as a backup and make a lot of money. Well, and, and here's, I don't, you know, Sage Rosenfels, who was Iowa State when I was there, um, he's a 10-year, 12-year NFL guy, whatever it was, and he, he does a new podcast on, you know, for anybody that doesn't listen to likes uh, podcast, Iowa Everywhere, um, I want to plug that. It's good. Um, they have some different podcasts, some Iowa, Iowa State guys. Um, Jordan Bohanna is actually on there with one of the Iowa State guys. That's kind of a fun back-and-forth podcast, but they do Iowa State recaps. Um, Chris Hassel's on there with Chris Williams. So, again, a, Hawk, a couple different Hawkeye and Cyclone combinations. Uh, but Ro- Rosenfels, you know, he talks about where, you know, when he retired at age 35, and he's probably 44 now, or he's a couple years older than I am, where – and he still had kids around, and he had to make a decision what he wanted to do. Did he want to get into coaching – did he want to go do something else? Well, he had a good enough career that he didn't have to do anything. And, you know, he's got one kid in college, one kid that I think is like a senior in high school, another kid that's like in seventh grade. Um, so he wants to be able to be flexible and kind of do what he wants right now. And he goes, 
I'm not saying never, but you know, coaching, you know, it's it's fun, but it's actually almost more work than playing. You spend more time in it and you don't make as much money. And he made his money, plus he's getting his pension. You know, he played long enough, he'll get his pension. And then, you know, the other thing is he goes, and this they were talking about something um that, you know, when he retired at age 34, like if he wanted to go into the business world or anything. He's 10 years behind everybody else. You know, he didn't go do his internship at age 22, go work at Wells Fargo and learn all those skills over the next 10 years. So now at 35, you're advanced into, you know, not an entry level position. You know, he's 35 and would be entering the workforce. He goes, that's hard. And especially when you've been a professional, you know, quarterback and made a lot of money it's not like he needs that money to live on you know he just wants he just wants something to do and he goes it's just hard for me he goes so that's why you know guys that retire have trouble or struggle with depression or whatever he goes he understands it he really does we've talked about it here many times when you're professional yeah you have a schedule but a lot of time it's you manage your own time so you're kind of your own boss in a lot of ways and going back into the regular workforce, you know, as such that you and I work in or other people, we have a more routine daily day-to-day stuff. They're not used to that. Yeah, they have weightlifting. Yeah, they have stuff like that. But yeah, they don't work overall, nine to they, five. Yeah, they, they manage themselves. And if they if they do the extra, it's on them. If they don't, they don't. But no one's really screaming at them or telling them, hey, you for sure have to be here. It's more encouraged. And, yeah, getting back into the workforce would – would be weird. So yeah, I mean Brock Purdy's got a he's got a pretty good little opportunity here. Uh Shanahan drafted Bethard. Bethard's now on on the Jags still, I believe. He's still on the Jags, but right. he's yep. been in the league for a while and he got some starts with Shanahan. Yep. Maybe maybe pretty well too, because we we know Jimmy G's got an injury history. So there, there's a chance that, that Purdy could see some playing time. And and again, you just have to take the opportunities that present itself and hopefully he plays well if the opportunity presents itself. But you know, and I don't know how all the contracts work, but, you know, he was the third string quarterback. He was on the 53 man roster, but he was not active. So I don't know if they get paid more or less if they're on the active roster versus non-active. But, you know, going into this week, he's going to be the true backup and on the active roster. And, you know, you never know. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little whatever it is, it'd be a small bonus. It'd be a right. lot to us, but a small little roster bonus for being the, the active backup for this week. So good for him. Again, it's an opportunity, like you said, and that's that's going to be interesting to see. Jimmy G, he wins a lot of games as a starter, so people can make fun of him. But now you look at the 49ers again. They're they're back so, in. I, I truly believe they're back in. Yeah, I mean, the, the NFC – Brady and the Bucks have a lot of drama. Rodgers can't figure out the receivers. The uh, Los Angeles Rams don't look really look that good. I mean, the Vikings got killed on on Monday night, so there's no reason that they can't be one of the the top teams at the end of the year. Right. I think I think Brady and the Bucks are still good. Um, I think he's almost playing it up a little bit, or maybe he's frustrated just with himself, or just. Maybe the outside forces are getting to him just a little bit more than they've ever got to him before. Um, but they still look pretty good. And, you know, they ain't doing everything that he wants, but, you know, 
they played okay the other day. And then I think the same thing with the Packers. Are they where they really want to be? But, you know, they were horrible the first week last year too, and they ended up 13-4 and four or whatever it was, number one seed in the playoff. Mm-hmm. And, and that just a little bit is looking likely to repeat because, yeah, people are talking about the Vikings, but look at what happened to the Vikings. Let, speaking of the bike, let's go here real quick. Kirk Cousins, two and thirty-seven in prime time. How about how bad is that? I don't care who you are. That is, is two, horrible. Is it two and thirteen on Monday night? You mean or yeah, but two and thirty-seven in prime time. I mean, it's horrible. Like when he plays in prime time, it's awful. Okay, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see the thirty-seven. Yeah, I mean, he's only won two games. Like. You know, even when he plays at, uh, it's not just Monday night football; it's prime time football. Yeah, he he had a bad game. I mean, Kirk looked really good week one. This week going in, I you know, I did bet him to cover, which I probably should have known better. Kirk Cousins uh, is a. I can't figure out Kirk Cousins. Um, he he is a mediocre quarter. He's sixty, and sixty. And two, I think. I mean, or 60, 61, and two. He is a 500 quarterback. Okay, I'm looking at the spread. So he, he's he's fell to two and ten straight up against the spread on Monday Night Football yep. in his and career. His, his two wins are against the Bears. Okay, and that makes sense. So, um, but yeah, Kirk, Kirk's weird. I, I I don't know really what to make of him. The the Eagles look really good. Kirk looked like crap. Um. I actually think he's going to bounce back against Detroit this week oh, because it's, yeah, I mean, it's an eleven o'clock game against or noon your guys' time against Detroit, and those are the games he actually plays good in. So, yep. um, I'm actually buying high back on Kirk this week, and I'm sure most people will be low on him. I'm I'm going to do the opposite because these are the type of games that he wins. Though he puts up good numbers, and then yep. you start to believe it. You start to believe in Kirk Cousins again, and then when it comes to like a big game like this, he typically lets you down, like you said on against the Eagles. <laughs> Uh, the Eagles Eagles look really good, though. Um, said I almost wanted to pick them to go to the Super Bowl. I, I couldn't quite buy in the hype, but through two weeks, and that's all we have to go off of right now. It's very early, but the Eagles Eagles look like one of the better teams in the NFC. Yeah, they sure did. They sure did this weekend. Um, you know, let's talk about kind of a disappointing team, uh, the Bengals. I think they're super disappointing so far. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow is just getting sacked over and over and over, much like he has the first couple of years of his career, and and that does not bode well for the the length of his career. No, and I that's typically a game that I last year or last week I bet on the Bengals to cover minus seven. Most of the time, uh, the professional betters would always take the Cowboys. I thought it was just one of those moments where the Bengals would bounce back, right and really have one of their best games of the year. But that's all the uh, all the professional betters are on the Cowboys, and you can see why. Yep. It's a it's a fan overreaction with the Bengals, Dak Prescott going down. So the Cowboys, uh, kudos to them for winning the game. Micah Parsons is a wrecking machine. Oh, he's so, good. Yeah, he, he's about as good as they come. Uh, he, he might be the best defensive player in the league right now as a second-year guy. And – the Super Bowl hangover, the offense line, whatever it is, uh, the Bengals don't – they just don't look right. And so people were talking about how they – not that they got lucky in the playoffs, but they got a lot of bounces that went their way. Yep. 
And I, I figured the Joe Burrow effect would would help them going into this year. But through two weeks, it's not looking good. So I think there, I think there's five or six teams right now that are 0-2. And the Bengals and the Raiders both made the playoffs last year. I don't know. These are must wins for these teams this coming week. Absolutely. And then, you know, we, we hit on these a little bit earlier, but uh, both the Cardinals and the Dolphins come from way back to, to win at the end. Yeah, the uh, let's start with the, uh, the Dolphins real quick. Uh, having Tyreek Hill, that's what happens. When you have Tyreek Hill alongside Waddle, uh, Tyreek Hill's a game changer. He's one of the few guys in the league that can just overtake a game. You you cannot contain that guy. Um, he goes off for 190 yards and two touchdowns. I have him on fantasy, so I'm pretty happy about that. Um, he helped me win a, a big week. But hell of a comeback for the Dolphins. Uh, the Ravens, it's kind of weird because the Ravens are kind of known as this this big rushing team, but outside of Lamar Jackson, they, they can't run the ball. I think they had uh, barely 30 yards rushing from the rest of their team outside of Lamar. So they're they're struggling on the ground, but good for the Dolphins. The Dolphins look good. They have a tough test. Buffalo's coming to town. Josh Allen and the Bills have owned the Dolphins since he's been in the league. You wonder if this early time heat's going to affect them. And the other game you were talking about, the Cardinals coming back against the Raiders. The Raiders should have won that game, really. Right. Hunter Renfro has two fumbles there at the end of the game. Cardinals scoop and score. Kyler Murray before overtime and then overtime, you know, makes a bunch of spectacular plays. And yeah, that's the Raiders are that's another 0 2 team. I I don't I don't know what to make of the Cardinals yet. Kyler Murray's a weird person. We've talked about it before. Yep. Kingsbury comes out again, says he wants to see more urgency out of the team. Wish they'd play better early. Some people are taking that. Is he talking about Kyler in practice? All these things. So it, it's early season drama. I, I don't know what to make of the Cardinals quite yet. I don't know what to make of the Dolphins or, or Ravens yet either. But I feel like the teams that we really know about, the Chiefs and the Bills, I feel like right. those are the two teams that we really know are going to be there at the end. Agreed. And then really the last uh, kind of comeback, uh, the New York Jets come back and beat the Browns. Um, you know, the storyline there is Nick Chubb's running down the sideline. He scores. If he would have taken a knee after the first down, game's over. He scores a touchdown, stops the clock, and it gives them enough time uh, to, you know, come back. And the Jets win by one point. Yeah, and, and last year he had a situation like this where he did stop early. And then yep. this game, then they missed the extra point. You got the onside. You got the quick scores. You know, another game that really the Browns should have won. But this is the NFL. We talk about it every week. I mean, these bad teams, uh, I know the wise guys were all over the Jets plus six and a half. And there you go. I mean, these NFL games, so many of them come down to the very end. And they come down to two, three, four plays throughout a game, a lot of times special teams. And you just look at these scores. You know, there, there's a few that aren't close, but a lot of them, the games are really close. And, and that's the NFL for you. And, you know, I, I thought the Titans were going to keep it close versus the Bills. Not even, it, The Bills are just steamrolling people. 
it, it's kind of funny. I, I I thought the I thought the Titans would would keep it close, and that was anything but close. No, the Bills are looking like the best team in the NFL, and it's not close. Like you yeah. said, the Chiefs are going to have something to say about it before it's over. But if you ask after week two in the NFL, the Bills look like the best team. They do. I mean, they man, they they look scary good. They they've got eight or nine guys on the D line. You know, they brought in Vaughn Miller. I, I forgot how many guys they drafted in the top two to three rounds over the past few years. It almost reminds me of the New York Giants years they won the Super Bowl with that NASCAR package, as they called it, where they rotated in eight di- eight different defensive linemen. The Bills kind of have that feel to it. Josh Allen, those receivers, I mean, they they look unstoppable. So, you know, Chiefs-Bills AFC Championship seems inevitable at this point. I know it's early, but that's all we got to go on. Did we both pick that as the AFC title game? No, no, no. I, I picked Chargers-Bills. Yeah. And I guess we want to go back to that game real quick. Chargers, you know, probably should have at least taken a good lead in that game. Right. And they're at the, you know, they're at the goal line. Everett, the tight end, signaling to come out. Coach waves them off or they don't notice. He runs yeah. kind of a lazy route. Herbert throws, you know, I, I don't know whose fault it was, whatever. Uh, Chiefs run it back. Herbert gets hurt. So that that was a Chargers big chance to maybe kind of not dethrone the Chiefs, but to really stomp their ground that, hey, we're here with you. And they couldn't do it. Chiefs come out on top. And and that and that's probably what's going to be coaching. Andy Reid, you know, McDermott, Allen. You know, there's a lot of football left to be played. But those really look like the two teams that we really know we're going to get out of them. All the other teams in the league, I'm not quite sure on yet. Was McDermott Andy Reid's D coordinator at Philadelphia? Mm. Or was he under Doug Peterson? My better Doug Peterson. I know uh, for forever Andy Reid had the old guy. Now I can't think of his name. That, but that's when Brian Dawkins and them were playing. It was an older guy. Uh, I'm having a brain fart now. But it, maybe it was under Peterson. So uh, speaking of Peterson, I mean, Jaguars, 24 nothing over the Colts. They have the only win in the AFC South, correct? Everybody else is 0-2 or 0-1-1. Because Houston and Indianapolis yes. tied. Yep. No, that that's correct. Tennessee's zero and two. Uh, Houston Indy zero one and one, and Jacksonville uh, has the only win. And Jacksonville, a lot of people thought they probably should have won the game at Washington Week One. Right. Uh, Lawrence missed a couple touchdowns there in that game. So the the NFL is crazy, you know. But at the end of the year, I, I do. Man, it's so it's so tough to think about anybody other than the Chiefs and the Bills being there in the AFC. The NFC, I think, is wide open. But the uh, AFC, I think we know who the two best quarterbacks are, the two best coaches. That's probably who's going to be there at the end. Agreed. Anything else in the NFL this week, Trev? No, we'll just uh, get to my spread picks here real quick. Yep. I went I went three and five last week, so the first week <laughs> I did good. This week, not so good. So I'm eight and seven overall, so I'm one game above 500. I'll take it, whatever. Um as far as my picks this week, I'm going to take the Vikings minus five and a half at home versus Detroit. I think it's a Kirk Cousins back bounce back game getting that 12 o'clock window. Those are typically his games. Washington football team plus six and a half at home versus Eagles. Again, I don't know if they win, but six and a half at home. I think that's a good spot for them. The Jags plus seven 
on the road at the Chargers. Herbert's banged up. Uh, this Brandon Staley, I, I don't know about him yet. You know, he hasn't proven anything. I love the Chargers roster, but the, the Jags seem to be – they have a little bit of momentum on their side, so I'm going to take them plus seven. I'm going to take the Buccaneers minus one half versus the Packers. It's typically a bad matchup for Aaron Rodgers and that team. Look at what the Bears did against the Packers. They The Bears threw nine pass attempts, I think, versus right. Green Bay. They ran the ball over. The Bucs have kind of changed their offense to running a lot. So I, I think the Bucs are going to run the ball, play good defense. So I'm taking the Bucs there. And then my upset of the week, Texans plus three at the Bears. I think Levy Smith and that defense find a way to confuse Justin Fields. And I think Davis Mills is a better quarterback in that game. So those are those are my five for the week. Sounds so yeah, good. An upset picks up one and three. So I need the Texans to to beat the Bears to get closer to five hundred on those. It wouldn't surprise me a bit. I don't like it, but it wouldn't surprise me. No, and that's that's about all I got for NFL. Um, I didn't know if you had any remember them type of things, but I know this this is kind of a short week for us, kind of a quick one. Yep. No, I really don't have anything this week uh, with that. Uh, if you don't have anything else, we'll wrap it up this week, and we'll talk again next week, Trev. Yeah, no, that sounds good. I will, uh, I'm in Reno, Nevada's site. I think next week when we talk, I'll, it'll have to be Wednesday or Thursday, so I'll either be in Albuquerque probably or uh, back home in Springs. So I guess we'll we'll see what hotel I'm at next week. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, have a good night, Trev. All right, hey, you get some sleep.